I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. My name is Manny Faces. For 10 years, I covered hip-hop music and culture in and around New York City as an independent journalist and content creator. What I found was a thriving, bubbling, evolving, artistic and cultural ecosystem that most of the media, hip-hop or otherwise, was ignoring. Among the assortment of pioneers and new jack artists, venerable hip-hop institutions and event series, and activity all along the spectrum of hip-hop's elements, I began to find people and organizations that were using hip-hop in non-traditional ways. In education, in schools, in youth outreach and counseling, in theater, in tech, in politics and activism. Again, often underreported. In time, I began to realize that just like I had to help tell the stories of the amazing artists in New York when few else were, I want to help tell the stories of the innovators who are using hip-hop in inspirational ways throughout the country, in classrooms, community centers, nonprofit organizations, and in the streets, in ways that are improving lives, livelihoods, and communities throughout the nation. After all, I thought, most people have a very limited understanding of what it really is, but if they just took some time to better understand it, they might start to consider the thought that hip-hop can save America. Thus, this podcast was born. Thank you for joining me as I talk to the movers and shakers who are responsibly using hip-hop music and culture to address, adjust, and in some cases, alleviate problems facing our country. Hip-Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast. It's hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. And it also incorporates hip-hop, with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as uh, Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. You can find Newsbeat by Mori Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts, or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. 
with amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM. Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or in the TuneIn app. On this inaugural episode, I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Bettina Love. Dr. Love is an award-winning author and associate professor of educational theory and practice at the University of Georgia. Her research focuses on the ways in which urban youth negotiate hip-hop music and culture to form social, cultural, and political identities to create new and sustaining ways of thinking about urban education and intersectional social justice. When you first start digging deep into the areas where hip-hop is being successfully deployed in so-called non-traditional ways, education is often at the top. Incorporating music into education has been a tried and true method of teaching forever. Think of the Alphabet Song, or Sesame Street, or Schoolhouse Rock. Hip-hop-based education is an extension of that, to a degree. Yes, incorporating material into song format to help with absorption and retention works really well with rap. But what savvy educators know is that to really relate with young students through hip-hop is not just relate to their connection to rap music, but to their connection to hip-hop culture. This concept may seem strange to those who look at rap and hip-hop and just see entertainment or some of the negativity that's portrayed. They don't think that rap and hip-hop belong anywhere near a school. If that's you, I urge you to listen to my talk with Dr. Love and all of the upcoming episodes of this podcast. It's my hope that by doing so, I can help lead you down a rabbit hole of extraordinary advancements in many fields, including education, where hip-hop music, culture, and spirit are proven to be true indicators and facilitators of success in innovative, inspiring, and often surprising ways. So let's start now. Here's my conversation with Dr. Bettina Love. Dr. Bettina Love, thank you again for taking the time to speak with me today. Truly a pleasure for me to be able to speak to you. I'm sort of a fan. So oh, thank you. There, there's that. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll get into a little bit why that is. So along with your many titles, uh, I like your signature, full of good stuff. Uh, I imagine you also wear many hats, uh, as many of us do. Uh, how, how do you currently define who you are today from a professional standpoint? I mean, I think from a professional standpoint, it's really hard as a person of color to define yourself just in a professional standpoint, because I think when you're a person of color and you come from so many different groups that are marginalized and that are oppressed and they intersect, you know, those identities make who you are as a person. And so when I think about who I am as a professional, you know, so much of that is about just who I am as a kid growing up in Rochester, New York, and here I am, a professor at the University of Georgia. So me being a scholar and a researcher and a writer and trying to be a radical educator, you know, all those titles come from me as a little kid trying to understand hip hop, trying to understand uh, what it means to be queer, trying to understand what it means to be working class, almost going into poverty. And so who I am as, as, a, as a professional is just driven by who I am as a Black person in this world. Mm, I hear you. You are you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear that. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to talk about a little bit. You mentioned hip hop, obviously being a, an educator and mm-hmm. an educator of educators, I think, yeah. to a certain degree. Uh, so I definitely want to talk about some of your prior work, uh, you know, the connection between hip hop and education. And then I want to hear more about how that work extends out to civics and, and uh, yeah. civic education. I think that's where we want to end up. So I've covered hip hop, music and culture as an independent journalist in the New York area for, for many years now, almost almost 10 years. So a lot of it was covering the artistry and, and, and that sort of thing, but obviously delving into the cultural aspects. New York City, right. is, you know, we still have the OGs that are walking around. We still have people that are doing every aspect of hip hop from all the elements, old school stuff, new school stuff. It's all here. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know... Uh, exciting for me to kind of poke around 
where hip hop is being used in some non-traditional spaces. So right. of course I start running into people like Dr. Emden and, and the folks at Teachers College and Martha Diaz and some of these folks who are working in the education field. So when I started kind of really being more interested in this, I start looking at things and I find your TED talk at, I think it was at the University of Georgia mm-hmm. and some of the other talks. And what I love about your work and your talks is that you really do emphasize that concept that I try to help translate to people who aren't as inside baseball with hip hop, right? The, okay. the idea that uh, hip hop is obviously more than just a genre of music, uh, right. but a, a full fledged culture uh, with a lifestyle that contains, you know, specific and unique characteristics, which again, you know, contrary to what most people in the public space think, they're valuable, those characteristics, right. as opposed to being ignorant or wasteful or, or just, you know, youthful nonsense. You've spoken about it eloquently in the past. Can you speak to some of the characteristics that you that you feel that hip-hop-minded young people bring to the table of society? Yeah. I mean, I think we're watching it right now. We're in a moment right now where young folks are rebelling and speaking up against the system. And I think hip-hop has a huge role to play in that. But I want to kind of back up where I kind of see hip-hop playing in all of this is because as, as a person of color, as a Black person in this country, we don't get anywhere without our voice. Hmm. That's just the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ahistorical to, to think about narratives where we have had some type of justice without our voice. It's ahistorical to think about we can actually live without oppression by just simply asking. And then, hey, why didn't y'all ask before? I mean, we've been waiting on y'all. <laughs> That's so, all it was going to take? Right, that was all it was going to take. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, if you look at history and you understand how Black folks and Indigenous folks and folks of color in this country have been able to get, you know, oppression off our necks, not fully, but some. It's been through our voice. It's been through our protests. It's been through putting our bodies on the line. And so if you understand that, the trajectory of that, of course you get hip hop. Right. Right. Hip hop doesn't just come out of anywhere. You know, I like to get into, I mean, even though I'm from New York, I'm from upstate New York, you know, I like, I like to get into arguments all the time because, you know, Hip hop doesn't start in the Bronx. Right. Hip hop doesn't start in New York. Hip hop has been something that was breathing and living and and on the cusp of something. And it just so happened that all those things came together in New York at that time. Right. But the very foundation that it was on has always been there. Right. I think you said somewhere one. It's the most recent iteration. Right. Of these traditions. Right. And, yeah, right. Right. We're, we're we're in that iteration of it. But it, I mean, right. from 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 slave songs to narratives to James Baldwin to Audre Lorde. I mean, all of these are iterations of us using our voice and our bodies and our talents and our gifts to try to speak back to something in hip hop because it's in our DNA, right? So our sensibilities to improvise, and you know, people think improvisation, you improvise because you don't know, you improvise because you do know. (laughs) Right. That's why you improvise, you understand the structure of the system is so tightly wound and that you're not going to be a part of it, so you understand how to improvise. So when you talk about hip hop having this element of improvisation, it's a cultural thing, of course, because we've been having to improv in this country for 400 years. Right. I like how they build, they build those uh, business models of like being agile. Right. Being to, <laughs> just trying to recreate that natural thing. Right. Or, right. you know, or saying kids got to have grit. Like grit? I'm African-American. What do you mean I got to have grit? <laughs> right. I ain't never had a problem with grit. <laughs> right. This country is based on and a product of my grit. 
And so what I, you know, what I really try to do is I try to use hip hop and take the sensibilities and the ways of being and our ways of knowing and our cultural productions as folks who are deeply embedded in this culture, because it is a culture, and then try to think about those things that we do and try to help individuals understand that the things that are deeply embedded within hip hop culture, like creativity, like improvisation, like grit, like social and emotional intelligence, all these things you say you want kids to have, their culture actually provides that. You right. just don't know how to tap into it or when you see it, you don't know what you're seeing. So then you label it deficient. Right. But right. actually not understanding that our kids have it. It's in our culture. It's in our DNA. And so I think we, we have to grapple with that. And that's not to say that all kids love hip hop and that all black people can dance. Right. That's not that's not right. what I'm saying. What right. I'm saying that there is traditions. Right. And there is mindsets and there is sensibilities in every culture has traditions. Every culture has sensibilities. Every culture has things they pass down. That's the culture. And everybody doesn't do the culture well. Everybody doesn't subscribe to the culture 100%, but it is a culture. Right. And so I think we have to get, you know, teachers and individuals who say they love Black children to really understand and understand how we relate to each other, how we talk to each other, how we love on each other. And those are ways that we show our humanity. And hip hop is one of those ways. Right. And you've and, and what's uh, obviously this isn't just talking points. You've you've done this work. You've seen the success. You've taught young children <laughs> and had the evidence. Have you have you got the receipts? Yeah. yeah and you got to keep receipts. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you got to well, keep receipts. I'm going to I'm going to ask you about. Well, let me let me ask you about that now. So to some people who, uh, first of all, almost all the hip hop ed folks probably have had this kind of problem to deal with is sort of the, the hindrances or the hesitations by the institutions, you know, the schools, the board of educations, or, you know, where you're trying to bring this to, mm -hmm. you know, to fruition, when you try to put this into practice, what, what have been kind of the, I guess the, those hindrances or, or hesitations that you've had to grapple with or that you've heard other people grappling with uh, and how do you, how do you overcome them? So I think, you know, one thing we have to really help, folks in the field, in the field of education, is to learn how to use the words that education loves to throw around and throw them back in their face. Okay. And so for me, when I'm talking to a principal or I'm talking to teachers, you know, I'm going to use the words that they use. You know, critical thinking is a huge word uh, that schools love to say. Social and emotional intelligence is a huge word, words that, you know, schools love to say. And so- right. We have to speak their language. And so I try, when I go in and I, I feel like folks are being resistant, you know, I just simply say, well, you know, I'm here to, to talk about students' social and emotional intelligence. Oh, okay. I thought this was just about hip hop. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. I'm here to talk about students increasing their critical thinking and problem solving skills. Oh. And so I think we, we have to be able to use the language that educators know. And so oftentimes what happens is that folks in the hip hop world are not necessarily in the education world. Right. And so they, they know instinctively that hip hop is an educative tool, but they don't have the, the language to go into schools and put those things together. Hmm. And so the idea is that how do we get like these artists in residence that can be do amazing work in schools, but can't get their foot in the door because, you know, they want to talk about, you know, which and rightfully so hip hop and, you know, ciphers and, but ciphers are social emotional intelligence. Ciphers are places of, of peer evaluation and self-evaluation. 
Mm, right. And so, and so it's trying, you know, making sure that folks who know how to do this work and can be authentic in this work can actually do it and making sure they understand that you need the language that educators can can say, oh, OK, now, yeah, that's exactly what I've been trying to talk about. Like you, <laughs> both of you are having a conversation, but since you don't have the, the same language, you're not actually hearing each other. Right. So I think the very first thing is to get folks on the same language and then making a space. Finding that time, you know, teachers and principals and school administrators, you know, they feel like they can't let any of their time go. Like every second with children is precious. And I do believe that, that every second is precious. However, you do have time. And so coming up with creative ways, either after school or in school. And then I think the last thing, if possible, is to document any way you can document. Can you videotape? Can you do, can you audit, can you, like we're doing recording voices? Because I think people do need to see documentation that this works. And sometimes just the teacher or the artist in residence saying that it works is not enough. And so we also have this language that we have to worry about because Mm -hmm. folks are coming in on grants and folks are coming in on, you know, monies that are very temporary without proof uh, and documentation. And we live in that world. And so I think we, we have to be able to do some of those things really well. Um, and I think that's where researchers like myself and practitioners and educators like myself come in and, and team up with folks who have the amazing skill set, but need that entry into the classroom. Right. Do you think that since this you know, work has gained some steam in the past few years, that being able to have the, 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 uh, the research backing, is the road easier? Is it, are you finding that it, the doors are opening a little no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Not <laughs> okay. at all. I mean, schools schools are resistant. Schools are places right. that are just naturally resistant to change. Even though what they've been doing is not working, you would think if you've been doing something for 200 years and it's not working, you would be right. so open to change. But I mean, schools are not just places open to change. In schools, you know, you have a ton of teachers who truly don't understand hip hop culture. Right. And so there is a lot of back work that you need to do. For instance, I teach a class at University of Georgia called, you know, Hip Hop Education for Social Justice. And my students get really mad at me because the first five weeks is just like readings. And they're like, well, we, we, we want to we do hip hop. Where's the hip hop? It's like, you don't know anything about the culture. Right. I mean, but they want to they want to jump in and start building hip hop curriculum because they, you know, it's flashy, it's fun. But right. I'm like, do you know Jeff Chang's work? Have, have you read Trisha Rose? I mean, do right. you do you understand where this stuff comes from and why it's important? And why is it important? Why why does that? I, you know, I know. Right. <laughs> why do why do you how do you how do you explain that to them when they maybe are surprised that oh hip hop is more than just you know what they kind of have in their mind right because if you don't know if you if hip hop is based on just solely what you have in your mind and for many of my students you know that is basically a lot of stereotypes right. and the music that they know is only the 25 or the 10 to 15 songs that clear channel lets played anyway <laughs> if you're lucky 10 if you're lucky 10 right, <laughs> right. so you are going to create curriculum based on stereotypes, based on misconceptions, based on the myth-making machine that we call America. And so for me, for you to be authentic and for it to be something that students will actually say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with you with this, with this lesson, then you have to be authentic and know where they come from. And so we can't create curriculum that's ahistorical of people right. because, again, that's whiteness washing out Black folks 
And then you insert yourself into the culture as if now you are the authority because you are the authority and the teacher. And here we go again, doing things that uh, are gimmicky and has no real impact on students. Right. I, I think that's important. And I, I know I've, I've spoken about it, I've spoken to people about it. I've seen some people outside of the uh, education space, but in hip hop, looking kind of sideways at hip hop minded educators mm-hmm. to make sure that they maintain that, that they're actually coming from an authentic place. That's right. Rather than, oh, you know, it's hip hop is the thing of the moment. Let's use it to hook these students, but right. then not really teach them the real value of those characteristics that right. may be innate in them. Or you may be introducing them to the first time, but without that cultural background, without the real the soul of it. Right. Because because this is not a gimmick. This is a way of life. Right. Right. I need you. I mean, I need you to look at the world through this lens. I need you to be able to say, okay, when do I improvise? When do I not improvise? When when do I have to understand these skills? When can I be critical? How do I have a critical voice in this world? How do I frame things in this very hip hop critical way? You know, Mm -hmm. all of those things are important. So this is not just a gimmick to get kids in the seat. It's to try to get them to understand that you already have the tools that you need. I'm trying to enhance them. That's not a gimmick. Right. That's good good teaching, right? That's good teaching. That's what you call good teaching. You sit your butt in that seat and we're going to go at it. Right. And you're going to say, oh, oh, I didn't know I was this smart. Oh, you mean to tell me the things that I've been doing and talking about and rapping about if I put it on paper now? Or the movements and the dance styles or those beats? Like all of that stuff is not just, oh. Right. And so trying to get young kids and, and young folks to realize that you don't have to change for education. Education has to change for you and that your culture is beautiful and who you are is beautiful. And you're not only beautiful and it's not only fun, it's not only uh, creative, but it's also what you need to be successful in this world. I think that's the key part. You know, I think there's a beautiful part in uh, Nas's documentary, Illmatic, where he talks about his dad telling him to quit school. Right. His dad's like, they're going to, and his dad says, they're going to kill the creativity of my boy. Mm. I mean, right. he, re- he recognized he re- that, right? He, right. He recognized that. And mm. so I think when we think about art education, you know, I think for black folks, we have to understand that art education is more than just art. It's black folks civics. It's black folks being. It's the way we respond to this world. Right. And so when you take art out of schools, you're taking the ways in which we like to respond. Mm. And so mm. all of that is very important to, you know, a, a holistic way to think about educating black children and children of color. No, that's very interesting. I know that you've spoken about, uh, you know, when you, when you block their creativity at the door or when you, you're a great example of, you know, banging on the table mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to drumming, you know, drumming. Right. You know, when you, when you block that sort of thing, you're creating a an uncomfortable space mm-hmm. in the classroom. That's one thing. But now you're also saying it's not just how they, uh, the music they listen to or the, the songs they, they dance to, but also their perspective is based on that same right right and you're going to block their perspective Mm -hmm. and not take it into consideration Mm -hmm. and why would that be a thing anyone would want to do right and then that perspective you're really saying that's my culture right Right. you're devaluing who i am as a person right but this is a tricky it's a tricky thing because you don't you know and that's why the first five weeks of my classes is readings and conversations because it is a tricky thing hip-hop you know, it's a tricky subject to talk about because you can't not address the homophobia. You right, cannot. Problematic right, aspects, you cannot, right. So, you know, that's another thing. Y'all want to jump into pedagogy and lesson planning, but we haven't got to these very tricky issues that right. 
have to be teased out and we have to talk about. But it's one of the most ripe places to do this type of work because it gives you so much content to talk about and so many avenues to talk about. Right. And that's what makes it such a really fruitful place to have these conversations and ideas. Yeah, that's what I hear from a lot of uh, teachers that use hip hop in the classroom or, oh, okay, you don't like the content? Oh, good. Let's talk about why that content exists mm -hmm. or, you know, what the root cause of, of this person, this, right. this artist feeling this way. Where does it come from? Right. Or you do like the content. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and why is that a problem? And why is that? Like, okay, right. you, you do like Migos. Okay, why? Right. Tell me why. You know, so right. it's, it's those, we get to have those conversations. And I think there's really conversations where we don't really get to have in schools where we can, where we can have conversations about black masculinity, toxic black masculinity. We can have conversations about capitalism and sexism and homophobia, transphobia. You know, we can, we can really have those conversations and that's what education should be. Right. And so I think another reason why my hip hop class starts out very boring is because our job is not to critique per se students' music to a point where we're doing all the critiquing. Right. You don't want to be a stuck in the 90s professor? Right. Oh, <laughs> you know, the kids like, yo, we not, who, com comment who, KRS-One, who, MC Light, who, I mean, you may, they may know who Lauren Hill is just because of the gossip rumors. Like they don't right. know. <laughs> right. And so, you know, you you got you have to really try to meet them where they are with their music. And to, some right. of this stuff I just really don't like. But right. you know, I want them to become critical consumers, not mm -hmm. just consumers. And we're all right. consumers. Right. But how do you become a critical consumer? How do you think about what you consume and then how do you consume it and still be critical about it and understand that this doesn't have to be a personality or a persona that you take on. And then right. also understanding that the circumstances around you, right? Kids don't consume hip hop in a bubble. They consume sure. it in gentrified urban spaces that are collapsing in front of all of our eyes. So that's also have to, we have to take into account. They don't consume it in a bubble and then go out in the world and say, oh, what's this thing called the world? No, <laughs> right. they're consuming it in conjunction, it's like a beautiful dance. I listen to it, then I see it. And so how, how do we have conversations with kids that really help them understand their day-to-day -day lived experiences and what that means? Mm. But that's not ahistorical. Right. I don't want sure. you to think this started today. Right, right. Or 1973. Right, 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 right. right. So, so that, you know, that's why you have to understand the culture. You have to understand Black culture, Black music, Black uh, history. And right. then move into hip hop. But we can't pick this thing up at 1969, 1979 and just keep rolling. <laughs> right, right, for sure. You speak in one of your talks, uh, as you have about hip hop characteristics, hip hop sensibilities being, you know, predictors of success and all these good characteristics that, like you say, students, young, young people have that should be amplified, mm -hmm. right? It should be, you know, encouraged. And then you go to a little piece where you say that it is, uh, it's not enough. <laughs> and how society continues to present enormous systemic, you know, racist driven challenges mm -hmm. for, for people in those communities. So that sentiment, I think, dovetails into your, I guess, more recent endeavors with the Get Free Initiative. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to now what you're doing with a, a civics minded mindset? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really feel that we are trying to make the best strides we can in education. But education is not the fix to everything. Right. Right. Education can help. But it's not the fix. And we put too much on teachers and, and, and just the field of education. Like education is supposed to fix homelessness, 
uh, poverty, right. mental health, mental issues. health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all don't even want to pay nobody. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, for me, it's always like, you know, how can we support teachers, number one? And then how can we think about justice and liberation in ways that are not a historical of history? Mm. And so I, and what I mean by that is, you know, if, if, if we say, you know, just wait, wait, everything, will, we just have to give it time. That's a historical. That's never how it's happened. <laughs> right. And so I think for me, I see civics and I think civics for people of color is totally different than civics for white folks. You know, civics for white folks could mean voting, participating in an election, maybe running for office, maybe right. doing community service. You know, that's this very general sense of civics. But I think for people of color, for indigenous folks, for black folks in this country, civics, is a, civics means my survival. Right. I have to participate. And so it's not just about an election. It's about, I have to find community. I have to think about ways that I can fight towards justice. And, that, and that's not my work. I don't want anybody to ever think that black folks and brown folks and indigenous folks who work, our life work is fighting racism. That's racist itself. <laughs> right. But that is our work and we're going to survive here. Right. And so we are automatically doing civics. Just when, you, mm. just when you and I wake up in the morning, we're doing civics. Mm. Because we are in a place that is constantly saying that we are disposable. And so mm. our lives become something that is civic about it. Because we are trying to live here. We are trying to find community. We are trying to be whole. We are trying to get it right. We are trying to love. That is what civics means for people of color. And so if we extend that to think about hip hop, you know, hip hop is this new iteration of our art and our ways to express through a very civic minded place. Because civics also is about critique. It is about social commentary. It is about exposing what is wrong with the world and thinking about the ways in which together we can heal and be together and resist, right? And have this place of protest of our bodies and direct action. And so all of those things that we do to try to survive this place and hopefully thrive is civics. And so hip hop is this place where we can do that. And so I had an opportunity to get a fellowship at Harvard for the NAS. NAS has a um, fellowship at Harvard. And I got in 2016, I was named their fellow. And so I, I, took, I, I took that time at Harvard to really work on a website called Get Free Hip Hop Civics. And it takes the elements of hip hop, of Afrofuturism, of, of activists. And I think that if, if you talk to an activist for about mm, 20 minutes, an activist will never tell you what happened today. An mm. activist will give you a 20, 30, maybe a hundred year description of how right. you got to today. <laughs> right. And so I went around the country for about a year interviewing activists and wanted to get their stories on tape and what they thought about the movement that we were in, this, this Black Lives Matter movement and what that meant for their actual city. Because I think civics also should be very local. Right, right. You know, we ask people uh, to be global, globally minded. I don't know, I didn't know what's going on in my hood first. <sighs> right. You know, before we become, become globally minded. And then I also think that hip hop has a very... Hip hop is global, but it's also very local. Right. Community. Right. It's very community. Yeah. Right. But it's also driven by the community. For instance, like rappers like a rapper like Big Frida. Right. Comes out of New Orleans. Frida popularity has to start in a place like New Orleans because it's so it's such a gender bending space. Mm. Right. Could Frida pop off in the Bronx? Mm. I don't know. 
Maybe right. now, but not 10 years ago. Right, for sure, yeah. So hip hop also has this very locale. Like the right. slang that we, with the slang that they use out in Oakland, we don't use in New York. We don't use in the South. You hella right. Right, you hella <laughs> right. Like it's hella hot, like huh? Right, yeah. so, so it's local because you, right. are, you are dealing with your local, the local issues, the local slang. And right. so, but you're all under the umbrella of hip hop. And so civics needs to be like that too. Mm. This idea that you understand your community. You understand what's going on in your community, how to speak to the folks in your community, how to right. research your community. That's what civics should be about. And so that's mm -hmm. why the curriculum is very about a particular city and understanding that city and what's going on in that city because hip hop has this idea of locality. I think that's really important. It's not that we don't want you to be globally minded, but we first want you to know what's going on at home. Right. And then the ideas of Afrofuturism, like I think kids need places to dream. I think we all need places to dream, to dream about what, what is possible. Right. You know, we always say, you know, you say, okay, we don't want, what would we do when, if there was no racism, what would we do? <laughs> right. You know, I don't know. I don't even know what that would look like. So we got to dream it. We got to right. think about it. You know, right. we got to work from a place of justice, then try and get there. And so Afrofuturism, you know, allows us to see ourselves in very powerful ways. I mean, that's why, you know, Black Panther makes one one billion dollars in four weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not just about a superhero movie. It's about black folks seeing themselves in powerful ways and ways that we can't even think of. You know, when when they say in the movie, right, um, welcome home and it's Wakanda. I think every every black person like wrote, like raised up in their seat. Like, let me see what home looking like over there. Like, I want to see <laughs> right. home. So right. I think, you know, it's. It's about, you know, for, for me, civics and this idea of freedom is about hip hop inspiring us to take charge in our local communities and to use our imaginations and to get involved, but not to be ahistorical and mm -hmm. to understand that there is a playbook. Our ancestors have left us a playbook. They didn't leave us you know, with nothing. Right. And so to draw on that playbook and to draw on the work of black women and queer folks, you know, that's another thing that's intentional about the website is that we're going to look up folks like Ella Baker. We're going to make sure you understand folks like Audre Lorde. You're going, to, you're going to read about, you know, the new Jim Crow. And so the website has a reading list for ages zero to, to 80, right. right? You know, books for babies to talk about activism. A is for activism, B is for boycott, C is for cooperation, or you can mm. read the new Jim Crow. Mm. You know, we, we try, we got PDFs on the website of actual books, of articles, videos, you know, trying to get people to understand like there is a, there is a knowledge that you need to have to go out here and fight. I think that's important. You just bring up a good point I was going to ask you about because you talk about starting really early. Mm -hmm. I know that um, I, I read an article about the, uh, the Parkland, Florida students, right? Yeah. They were speaking out against God. And I, 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 for what it's worth, I think they're doing great. I think they're doing great stuff. Mm -hmm. They're speaking out. And, but one of the things that the article pointed out was that in Florida, there's some kind of curriculum mandate that civics is actually taught. Because mm -hmm. right now, you might not find a civics no, class won't. at all in most high schools. No, you won't. They actually get taught as early as the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that some of the reason why they're so you know well-versed with the topic, so well-spoken, ready to go out there and do all the things, is because they've been taught civics. That's right. That's right. So, at, a, at an early age. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you now are amplifying that by saying, yeah, no, it has to be done when they're young. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think oftentimes kids come to college and I'm a college professor. They come to school. Right. It's the first time they have having first some time of these ideas. Having, and you're like, oh, yeah. where you been? Where you been? <laughs> right. And it's beautiful to see the eyes go off, you know, to see them light up and they want to get involved. But there's so much work that they still don't, they, 
you know, there's so many things that they're still pushing up against. Right. Or that they could have done earlier. Or they could have done earlier. You mm. know, and the older you get, <laughs> the more <laughs> resistant you get to change. Right. And we sure. don't think, you know, 18 year olds and 19 year olds, but they are. They are they, you know, they're coming into who they're going to be. And not everybody's gonna take a class on diversity. Right. And so right. you know, so I think when you can get kids started in fourth grade and fifth grade thinking about these things, that's a powerful thing because now you're gonna change humanity. You're not just right. you're gonna change the way we look at each other. These kids are going to be different. And I think these kids are gonna do amazing things with or without the shooting. Right. Just shooting amplifies who they are. You know, right. but I don't think they were just, you know, docile kids walking around playing video games all day right. and, right, right. and had no a switch didn't get flipped. Right, they were right. ready. Yeah, they were yeah. ready. And so, right. you know, and I think with all movements that are always youth led, these youth are ready. You know, we gotta right. give youth more credit. And I don't know what happens to us. I don't know if it's like 31, but where's our switch? Because mm. we just mm. all of a sudden forget. <laughs> right. Like right. we used to be those kids. And so I think, right. you know, supporting them, but but teachers feeling as though they can implement and feel safe implementing a type of radical civic education, uh, I think is important. And that's why for me, you know, this was more about, okay, can I have something where teachers feel like they're comfortable using it, parents want to use it, and folks just feel engaged. And that's why it's music, their videos, their comic books, all types of stuff, you know, trying to get folks saying like, oh, civics just doesn't have to be about us doing a community project or us registering to vote. All those things are important. I'm not saying stop those things, right, but right. the idea is that how do you understand how liberation works? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know that there's a playbook there? Do you know right. that folks have done this work and they're, and, they're, and they're kind of passing the baton to you? Right. And you can flip it. Right. You, you can remix it if you have to, right? Right. Hip hop. You can take it and, and flip it and, and, and remix it, you know, and, and make something, you know, new out of it. But keep it going. Keep, keep it going. Move forward. Move forward. Yeah. And so so that's what, the, you know, the curriculum really came out of. And then for me, you know, I go around the country doing talks and I love doing talks. I love talking to teachers. And I feel like, you know, I do an hour talk and teachers are hype and they're excited. And then they're all like, well, what are we, what are we going to do when you leave? Right. What's, what's next? So what's next? And so I really wanted to create something that I could leave and say, well, this is next. Right. Go here. Go here. Here's the curriculum. So that, you know, that was kind of my thinking about it. But I I really want black folks to know, particularly black youth to know how beautiful they are in the ideas of, of, of social change. And I think one thing we don't talk about enough in schools is that, you know, we tell them that. Black folks were slaves. We tell them about the Trail of Tears. You know, we tell them all of these things, these historical events, but we don't tell them that we resisted. Right. There's no talk about how we resisted. You know, like the civil rights is the only time we resisted, and that was only because Martin gave a speech. <laughs> right. You know, and so there were tactics. And only one speech. And only one speech, right? <laughs> and there were tactics. There were strategies. There, was a, there were ways in which they went about this and they argued. They didn't always agree. Right, right. But, but there was a playbook and we resisted. I don't think the conversation, and don't get me wrong, I think it has to be hard for a white person to sit up in a classroom full of black kids and talk about how black folks resisted. Right. Right. They, they, you know, the conversation about slavery is an easy conversation. It's one that we've had over and over and over again. But we haven't told kids that, you know, no, 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 no. We, we, we didn't just chill. We resisted and we resisted in multiple ways. 
And that conversation needs needs to needs to happen so they know that there's a history here that is about resistance, still about love and joy and care for each other. But we did resist. And this is right. what it looks like, because the story of resistance is actually the story of how we get free. Right. And that's civics. And that's civics. <laughs> yeah. That's civics. Yeah, for sure. I've always said with hip hop, especially, but, uh, you know, being hip hop influencing these other areas, these other areas of society, hip hop's always kind of gotten community down pat. Yeah. But what hip hop still has trouble doing is turning that community into constituency. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that some of this is that. I think yeah. some of that is saying, okay, we're going to, you know, we can join together as a community, as communities that have like minded ideals and come together and, and work with those, like I said, those playbooks. But it's that networking, it's that mi- like mindedness that hip hop has. It just has to be kind of channeled. Yeah. And I think that's what young people today are really doing. I mean, if you look at yeah. the strategies of Black Lives Matters or United We Dream, you know, they're really trying to be local. They're trying they're trying to be as grassroots as yeah. possible because they understand that grassroots is how we will work. You know, a national agenda, black folks ain't never gonna agree. <laughs> gotcha. We're just not gonna agree. You know, you can't take everybody everywhere. But community and community sovereignty, that's what right. this is about. And so I think, you know, you're seeing young folks today who are pushing back on, here's our leader, here's the person who's in charge of all of us. And really right. saying like, no, this is a leader and this is a leader and a leader looks different and we can have a leader full movement. And so I mm. think you're seeing young folk push back on that narrative because they have studied and they have learned from our mistakes of the past and trying to say, right. this is how we get free. Freedom doesn't have to look like, here's the one man that gives a speech and then after the speech, we all somehow get freedom. It didn't work like that. <laughs> Right. So I think you're I think you're watching young folk uh, who are very civically minded, but civically minded in the ways in which black folks have to take up civics, uh, understand how we have to, you know, they re- they're remixing, right, the narrative and the tactics. And we're, and we're right. watching that right now. Oh, good luck. Hey, hey, they need <laughs> it. we all need it. And that's a great way to kind of, I guess, take us out because I've ambitiously named this podcast Hip Hop Can Save America. <laughs> now, it may be a lofty theory, uh, but in your experience and from your point of view, what are the best reasons to consider hip hop music and culture when looking for ways to truly improve lives and livelihoods and communities in this country? Obviously, the education, the civics, like what, what you know, wrap it all up. Uh, you know, when I think about I think about hip hop and the power of hip hop and what hip hop can do. For us to ever save lives or, or be a country that's truly focused on, on justice, and when I say justice, I mean like intersectional justice. So that's housing justice, that's health justice, that's uh, immigration justice, that's uh, queer justice. You know, if we're really going to be a country that really strives for that, and I'm, I'm hopeful. I think you caught me on a hopeful day. <laughs> that's good. Um, <laughs> some days I'm not. But I think hip hop has the power because hip hop is about humanity. And humanity doesn't mean that you have to be clean cut and you deserve rights because you are a profound, great speaker and you got, you know, you look good in a suit. You know, that's not humanity. Hip hop is about love and compassion and grace and anger and voice and temperament. Everything it means to be human, that's what hip hop does. You know, I think about hip hop, on any given day, I can listen to something that is just filthy. Then I can listen to something that is just righteous. 
then mm. I listen to something that puts me like in a mellow, mellow mood, chill out mood. Then mm. it could be some love making. In a matter of 24 hours, I can go through all of those emotions with hip hop. Right. That's humanity at its finest. And I think hip hop has the space where people get to voice who they are as human beings, good, bad, and the ugly. And if we're ever going to move to a place where this country is about the work of healing, and it has to be about the work of healing for all. And if it's about the work of healing for all, then it has to take people as they are. And it has to embrace their humanity with the full-fledged dignity of humanity. And I think hip-hop, Black culture in general, is always this complex space of juggling our humanity and what it means to be a full-fledged person with all the quirks and the complications and the complexities of what it means to be human. Right. And hip hop just, just truly just takes that on. And it's such a complex thing, but it just takes it on. And it lays it on the table flat like what? Hmm. You either take it or you don't. And I think that's the beauty of hip hop and that's the beauty of the humanity that we are trying to create. And hip hop is that complex place that opens the door to all of that. And so if we're truly going to be in a place where we all can be free and live our lives freely, then it has to be a place that we see ourselves and we see that our humanity is raised up. And I think hip hop has a, is a space to try to have those conversations and think about that holistically. Well, that's what's up. Uh, Dr. Love, I like who you are as a human being. Oh, well, thank, I you. thank you. I thank you very much for your time and your insight and your perspective and for your work. And for your, uh, did I say inspiration? Because oh, there's that too. Oh, thank you so, so much. And I hope that uh, my little part in this to share this talk and let people hear from you uh, these very important and insightful things, uh, I will do my best to do so. Oh, I appreciate that with all my heart. And thank you so much for having me. Hip Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast, hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. It also incorporates hip-hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought at a Podcast Baby. Find Newsbeat by More Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America with Manny Faces airs weekly Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip Hop Can Save America is created and hosted by me, Manny Faces. I also produce the theme music. Special thanks to our associate producer, Summer McCoy. You can find out more about me at mannyfaces.com. And find out more about Summer's hip-hop and tech-related initiative, Hip Hop Hacks, at hiphophacks.com. Thank you for listening. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip-hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get 
the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com, filled with stories of hip hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcasaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.